Well, good morning, church. Trust that you're having a great week this week. And um, I'm so glad that you can join me this morning as we gather together around God's word. We're going to encourage ourselves, we're going to strengthen our faith, because there is nothing like the word of God to build us up and to give us strength and the needed encouragement that we so need in these times that we're living in. I know over the last two weeks, Faye has ministered such a wonderful message on the power of our words. And we've had so many uh, reports and messages of that word going out and blessing you as God's people. And if you haven't yet had chance to listen to it, listen, I want to encourage you this morning to go back maybe and just listen to those last two messages about the power of our words, how they can bless and build up and really, you know, enrich another person's life, but also how they can break down and really damage and bring harm, not only to other people's lives, but also to our own lives. So it's it was really, I believe, a timely message, an encouraging, instructional uh, word that she brought. If you haven't listened to it, listen, just go back, have a listen to them, check them out and be blessed by them. Well, today I thought I would start by asking us all a question to consider. And this question and the answer to it really is going to set the scene for what I'm going to be speaking about this morning. But not only this morning, maybe over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at this in light of God's word and in light of people's lives in God's word. The question that I want to ask you this morning as we begin this word together is this, who is the one person in your life that speaks to you more than anybody else? Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about that question. I don't know if you know the answer to that question, but I want you to think carefully this morning as you listen to me and as we get into God's Word about this, I want you to think about who that one person is. Who is the one person in your life that speaks to you more than anybody else. Because there is one person. There is one person in your life and in my life that speaks to me and to you more than anybody else. Now, why is it important for us to ask that question this morning? Well, I believe the answer to that question reveals who is the main influence in our lives? Who holds the steering wheel? Who governs our emotions? Who governs our attitudes? When we understand who that one person is, who speaks to us more than anybody else, I believe that we will see why we make some of the choices that we make. We'll see who controls and channels many times our emotions. We'll also see why we don't always have the peace that we so desperately need and search for. Our health and our well-being is attached to the answer of this question. And even the outplaying of our future and the well-being of our relationship with others as we go forward is all within the confines of answering this question well. Who is the one person in your life? Who is that person? Who is that one person in your life that speaks to you more than anybody else? Now, you may say to me this morning, well, Dave, it's impossible to know who that one person is in my life that speaks to me more than anybody else because I speak to so many people throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the months and the years. It's impossible to bring it down to one person, one voice in my life. There are so many around me. 
It's impossible to measure and it's impossible to know who that one person is. But this morning, I want to assure you that there is one person in your life that speaks to you more than anybody else. That you listen to on a continual basis. You know, when I was um, developing this message many years ago now, actually probably about 10 years ago, when I first started to study this whole area, when I started to develop this message, I asked the question to people, to a number of different people, all at different ages and all at different stages of life. And I asked people, who is the one person in your life that speaks to you more than anybody else? And again, on some faces, it just simply drew a blank because the question is really probing and it causes you to think. Some, you know, said, well, it's my husband. Others said, it's my wife. Young adults, I approached them and they said, well, it's my friends in university. Others said, it's my, my, my colleagues at work. They are the people that speak to me most. And they named friends and, and colleagues and acquaintances. Others said, it's my family. Younger people said, it's my friends at school. And they're all valid answers. Of course they are. But they're not the right answer. There is one person that speaks to you more than anybody else. And it's not your wife. It's not your husband. It's not your colleagues at work or your friends at university or your friends in school. It's not your family. No, the person that speaks to you more than anybody else is you. You are the one person that speaks to you more than anybody else. Nobody is more influential in your life than you are because you are the one person that talks to you more than anybody else around you. You're in an unending conversation with yourself on a continual basis. You talk to yourself all of the time, interrupting, organizing, analyzing your inner world and your outer world around you. And this conversation actually began the moment that you woke up this morning and it will continue on right through the day ahead of you until you lay your head on your pillow this evening and go to sleep. And then tomorrow when you wake, up you'll get. And again, that conversation that you will have with yourself will kick in and start all over again and go right through the day. You're in in an unending conversation with yourself that goes throughout your lifetime. Day in, day out, month in, Month out, year in, year out, year in, year out. It continually goes, this conversation that you are having with yourself on a continual basis. Now, some of you may have got the answer when I asked the question, who's the one person in your life that speaks to you more than anybody else? You may have said, well, obviously that's me. Well, full marks if you got the answer. Well done. But let me ask you a question. If you are the one person that speaks to you more than anybody else, why is it important that we understand the answer to that question that we've asked? Why is the answer so important? I wonder if you know why the answer is so important. Let me just give you my suggestion and my understanding in this whole area about this subject. The reason why it's important to know that that I am the one person in my life that talks to me more than anybody else is this. This is the reason why it's important. Because if I am in a continual conversation with myself, 
It's vitally important that I examine the content of the conversation that I'm having with myself on a continual basis. It's not just important to understand the answer to the question. Equally as important, it's vital that we examine the content of the conversation that we're having with ourselves on a continual basis. Because when we examine the content of the conversation that we have with ourselves on a continual basis, we will see sometimes it's not always a healthy one. And we're going to get into this as the weeks go on. We're going to look at men of God's lives as they went through the, the difficulties and the trials and the circumstances and just trying to work out who they were in this world. And we will see some of the greatest men in the Bible struggled in this area. In this area of having this conversation going on continually within themselves. They really struggled with their identity. They really struggled to really harness and get this in line with the Word of God. But we'll see as they examine the content of the conversation that they had with themselves on a continual basis and brought the Word of God into it and brought the light of God's promise over it, transformation took place. And that's really why I'm ministering on this subject over the next few weeks because I really do want us afresh to understand that there's a continual conversation that we are having with ourselves on a daily, moment-by-moment basis, and we have to examine the content of that conversation in light of God's Word. We have to allow God's Word to come in and address it, because if we're going to go forward into a great future, into a faith-filled future, this conversation that we have with ourselves on a continual basis, sometimes wants to hold us back. It sometimes really wants to suppress and depress all of the wonderful blessings and gifts and resources that are in your life. And sometimes you really do have to get in the face of it, correct it, judge it, and bring the Word of God over it to see transformation in your life. So I'm, I'm li- really laboring today on the introduction into this so that we can just set the scene and just set the course out for the future, for the future weeks that we're going to be looking at this. But it's so important that we not only know that we are the one person that speaks to ourselves more than anybody else. It's vitally important that when we realize that, that we examine the content of the conversation that we have with ourselves on a continual basis. Examine the content. Is it healthy or unhealthy? Is it good or bad? Is it uplifting or destructive? Is it judgmental? Or joyful? Is it negative or positive? Optimistic or pessimistic and critical? All of these aspects go on inside us and we are conversing about situations internally and externally all of the time. And if we don't examine the content and if we don't correct it when it's wrong and realign ourselves to the word of God, we will not be in the place, that blessed place that God wants us to be in. Do you know that that stress, worry, anxiety and fear are conversations? When we're stressed, anxious, or worried, very often, if you reflect back on those times in your life when you've been stressed out or worried or anxious or fearful, you'll see that you were in a conversation with yourself about circumstances that you were facing or even circumstances that didn't even exist. Today, you may be stressed out. 
You may be fearful. You may be worried. It's an awful condition that we've all felt cornered by. And you'll, you'll be listening to me and you will understand right now that the root of that fear, the root of that worry, the root of that anxiety is an unending conversation. It's a continual conversation that you are having with yourself. Possibly you're thinking about things and envisaging things that haven't he even happened. That's how crazy worry, fear and anxiety is. It causes you to focus on things that haven't even yet occurred and may never occur, probably won't ever occur. Worry and anxiety and fear and stress causes us to make decisions about things that don't even exist. You can be having a conversation with a person in your head and they know nothing of it. You can be quarreling or ripping a, you know, tearing a strip off them and telling them where to go in your mind. Being judgmental, being angry, being argumentative. And nobody would know but you and yourself. What is that? It's a conversation. It's a conversation. You need to examine the content of the conversation and redirect your life with the word of God take charge of that conversation take hold of the sword of the spirit that Paul talks about which is the word of God in Ephesians 6 and deal with that conversation why because it'll take you down it'll it'll spiral your emotions and your moods and your whole well-being of life it'll spiral it down You've got power in God's word. You've got power through God's spirit to take control of that conversation if it does not line up with the promises of God and his words in the Bible. The truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And it's that truth that deals with these conversations very often that just happen spontaneously and automatically through any given day at any given moment. Sometimes, you know, we live through emotional traumas that we should never experience. We become captivated by outcomes that will never take place. Worry is a continuous, listen to this, worry is a continuous conversation that you have with yourself, usually demanding that you make decisions about circumstances that don't even exist. And, and, and it demands, worry demands, that you provide solutions for situations that haven't yet happened. Do you know what? What I get so encouraged by is that Jesus wants to help us. Jesus gives us an answer through his word, through his promises for every single life situation that we face. No matter what the problem is, no matter how big the issue is, no matter what your history is like, no matter what your life history is like, it matters not. There is a word in the Bible for you to bring you on through and to do something incredible, something transformational in your life. God has a word for you. He really does. And that word will transform you. That word will empower you. That word will enrich you and set you free and set you on a course in your future that will be blessed by him. Listen to what Jesus says, how he helps us with this whole aspect of worry, fear, anxiety, strife, and stress. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. Beautiful words. Therefore, this is Jesus speaking, I say to you, do not worry about life. Now, you can't get any clearer than that. 
Why did Jesus say, do not worry about life? I'll tell you why. Because we worry all the time. We worry when we're not worried about not worrying. No, Jesus knows how the enemy and how our fallen sinful nature gravitates to all of these things that pull us down and cause us to spiral down and break our lives apart and injure our minds and our emotions. He says, don't worry. Don't worry. What a command to live under. He says, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? Are you of not more value than they? God looks after the birds. And Jesus says we are far more valuable than the birds of the air. God looks after them. He's going to look after you and me too. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to your stature? What he's saying is worry will never cause you to grow. No, it will diminish your capacity. It will diminish your growth. Worry will never cause any of us to grow. And that's why Jesus said, don't worry. He wants us to thrive. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to achieve all of the wonderful potentials in his plan and in his purpose for our lives. Now, we may not be doing that today, but I'm telling you now, as we deal with this conversation that we are having continuously with ourselves that may be causing things in our lives to erode and perish, maybe causing us to spiral down or, or make decisions that, that we're ashamed of. As we really hit this and deal with it, I tell you, you'll see great transformation. Why? Not because I'm saying it, but because the Bible says it. Because Jesus says it. Because his spirit, his Holy Spirit will come into your home and into my home, into your life, into my life and empower us to live the life that he has promised we can live. That's the wonderful thing about being a Christian. It's not just attending church on a Sunday in a service. And that's important. That's great. And we're all missing that at the moment. But I'm telling you now, the, the Christian life is an experience, experience moment by moment, day by day of the living Christ, Jesus Christ, living in and out of your life and your heart. No worry. Never adds to our growth. It diminishes, destroys, and damages our minds and our potential. So he says this, if it doesn't cause you to grow, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith, therefore do not worry. Now, this is a word for some of us this morning. You know, situations have come circumstances around us are pressing and especially in the present crisis in our world that that is pressing hard and and you know there's a moment of relief and there's there's new hope that lockdown is is off and you know things are loosening loosening up and then suddenly there's a spike in a city a spike in a country a spike in a nation and it seems as if you know the the one step forward that we've taken only ends in taking 10 steps backwards and the world in which we live at this moment in time is battling with all of these uncertain externals 
about this virus. There's no ability to control it. It, it, you know, they can quell it here, but then suddenly there's an outbreak there. No, there's no, there's, there's no guarantees. This world can't guarantee us and sometimes can't guarantee us anything. But sometimes when we look at all of these things and we listen to all of these voices and this inner internal conversation is continually wearing us down about all of these various things that are happening around us in our world, we start to really become downcast in our own heart. But listen, examine the content of the conversation that you've been having with yourself. If it's fear-driven, if it's anxious, if it's worry-filled, this morning, get this word from Jesus. Matthew chapter 6. And I'm telling you something now. Raise it up in your heart. Speak it from your mouth. Let it let it marinate in your mind and let your attitude really be anchored in this word. This is the unfailing word of God. When Jesus says that we don't have to worry about life, he means it. He means it. And that's the quality of life that he assures us. Worry free, he really does. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what should we eat? Or what should we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows all these things that you need. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Your Father knows. Your Father knows. He knows that maybe you've been struggling to know what to do with your business. Your father knows. Your father knows the challenges that are ahead of you in your workplace. Your father knows what's going to happen tomorrow. You rest in him. You haven't got to worry about it. On the words and on the on the assurance that Jesus is giving to us in Matthew chapter 6, we do not have to worry about our future. God has a great future for us. And if he can feed the sparrows, and if he can cause the lilies to grow in all of their glory and splendor and beauty, how much more valuable than they, than them are you. Do not worry about tomorrow. Jesus said, your father knows all of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things shall be added to you. God will sort it out. God will work it out. God will add what's lacking. God will add what you need. Do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, Corey Ten Boom wrote this about worry, and I think it's, it's an amazing insight. Remember, this lady was in a German concentration camp and suffered terrible, terrible brutality. She saw her own sister murdered at the hands of a German soldier. But Corey Ten Boom said this about worry. And I think it's an incredible insight from a lady that really lived by faith in the face of such suffering and hostility. Listen to what she said. Worry is trying to carry tomorrow's load with today's strength. Worry is trying to carry tomorrow's load with today's strength. How many have ever tried to carry tomorrow's load with today's strength? I did it yesterday and probably the day before, the week before and the month before. I'm telling you that I struggle with this as much as anybody else. How many times... Do we just get into this habit 
And it begins, the root of it is, the root of it is, this continuous conversation that we're having with ourselves that we don't address, that we don't examine the content of, and we just allow it to go. No, we've got to stand up to it, correct it with the word of God, and begin to see his power and the transformational life that he's promised in our lives. Worry is trying to carry tomorrow's load with today's strength, she said. Listen to this, carrying two days load at once. It's moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It simply empties today of its strength. That is an incredible insight. God does not want us to worry. Jesus said, do not worry about life. Live in joy today under his pleasure, under his grace, under his goodness. David said this, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. He said, I've been young And I have been old. I've seen the whole gamut of life. I've seen the whole cycle of life and its many seasons. I've been young and I've been old. But I have never once seen the righteous forsaken by God or their seed begging bread. Let me tell you, you are a child of the King. And God will not forsake you. Whether you are young or whether you are old, he will give you what you need. Whether that is peace, whether that is joy, whether that is health in your body, whether whether that is prosperity for your business or assurance in your career, God will give you it. He will not forsake you and you will not beg bread. This is the inheritance and the heritage. Of those that have Jesus Christ as their Savior and as their Lord. Jesus doesn't want us to worry. He does never, he never wants us to carry tomorrow's load with today's strength. He doesn't want us to empty our strength on worrying about things that don't even exist or things that may never even happen. Just imagine, just imagine, you never have to worry again. You never have to have a worrying conversation, an anxious conversation with yourself ever again. On the basis of what Jesus has said, your father knows. And if we will but just put childlike faith in his word, that will become a reality, a blessed reality in in our lives. Worry is a conversation. Anxiety is a conversation. Fear is a conversation. Stress is a conversation. I know that because I have had that conversation with myself many times. Many times. And I remember, as I was just preparing this message, I remember many, many years ago now, probably about 15 years ago, I had a small spot just under my eye on the right side of my face. And I thought, oh, it just suddenly appeared from nowhere. So, you know, and it was kind of growing week by week. And it was starting to get dry and bleed a little. And I went to the doctors. I thought, oh, I better go and check this out. I went to the doctors and uh, sat down. The doctor examined it. And he said, Mr. Edwards, do you know that this is a rodent ulcer? I said, well, no, I don't, firstly. And secondly, what is a rodent ulcer? And to my surprise and horror, he said, Mr. Edwards, a rodent ulcer is an aggressive form of skin cancer. Now, he said, it's different from cancer. He said, you haven't got cancer, but it's 
an external form of cancer that's very aggressive. And it's a nasty form. It's got roots in it. And it spreads very rapidly. So I need to send this off to the lab. I need to get it checked out. And we need to get this operated on and removed from your face. And we need to cauterize the wound so that it doesn't come back again. But it's really important that we get this seen to because these things have potential to spread right over your face. And then once they have kind of eaten away the skin on your face, there's no way to repair it. So as you can imagine, I was a little bit scared, a little bit shaken. But just as I was about to leave the appointment, the doctor turned to me and he said this, Mr. Edwards, he said, can I ask you a question? I said, yes. He said, do you have any stress in your life? I looked at him, thought for a little moment, and I said, no, doctor, I don't have any stress in my life. I'm, I'm, I think I'm quite a peaceful person. I don't have any stress at all. So anyway, the appointment ended. Off I went. A few months later, I was booked in for an appointment within the hospital. I got operated on and they removed the rodent ulcer, cauterized the wound and everything was fine until six months later. Six months later, warts started to appear on my left hand. I couldn't work it out. So I thought, well, I've had, I've had them sorted out on my face. Let's go to the doctor and see what these warts are about. Pop back to the doctors. He looked at them and um, he, he gave me some medication for them. He said, Mr. Edwards, he said, um, he said can I ask you, a question again. And this was just before I was leaving. He said, do you have any stress? He said, I'm looking at your notes. And he said, a rodent ulcer that we remove from your face is caused by stress. He said, that rodent ulcer on your face probably came out through stressful circumstances. Now you've got warts on your hand, Mr. Edwards. Do you have any stress? I looked at the doctor. I said, well, doctor, I said, I don't think I've got any stress, actually. I'm quite a peaceful person. He said, well, okay, Mr. Edwards, the medication should work. Um, hopefully does all the best. So off I went. Medication worked. The warts went away. Well, maybe it was probably about a year, eight months later, I started to develop a severe form of eczema above my eyelids, the two eyelids. And man, this was really, really painful. It was, it was very dry. The skin was very dry to the point where my, my eyelids would, would bleed and there would be like little lacerations, little cuts in my eyes and it would be so irritating and you'd want to scratch it and it was just really, really unpleasant. So I thought, oh, better go to the doctors again. So off I went to the doctors, sat down with the doctors. I mean, we were on first name terms now. We were getting, you know, to know each other. I was going there quite regularly um, hiya doctor. Oh, Mr. Edwards, it's you again. He got the records out, had a look. How's the rodent ulcer? No signs. No doctor, that's all good. How's your hand doing? We had warts on there. Nothing doctor, that's all fine. Well, how can I help you today, Mr. Edwards? Well, doctor, I got another problem. What is it, Mr. Edwards? I've got eczema or I've got really irritating skin above my above my eyes on my eyelids. Let me have a look, Mr. Edwards. He examined me and he said, Mr. Edwards, he said, this is a real severe eczema that you have. I'm going to have to give you some steroid cream and looking at this, examining this, you're going to be on this steroid cream for the rest of your life. I said, whoa, doctor, I didn't think that I had a problem with eczema to be honest with you, and I, I certainly didn't anticipate that it would be something that I would have to receive treatment for for the rest of my life. Well, Mr. Edwards, this is the strongest 
steroid cream that I can prescribe and it'll give you some form of relief, but you're going to have to continue to use it. Well, I went away, uh, but before I went away, he said to me, and this is, this is wild how these things kind of piece together. He said, Mr. Edwards, can I ask you a question? I said, yes, doctor. He said, do you have any stress in your life? Well, I looked at the doctor again, and in all honesty, I couldn't understand the question. I really thought about it this time because this was the third time he's asking me the question. I said, doctor, I said, I don't know. I don't think I have any stress in my life. Well, went out of the surgery, started to apply the cream. It gave a little bit, a little bit of relief, but really the situation went from bad to worse. Eight years in to using that cream. So now I had eczema that they couldn't take away. They could deal with the rodent ulcer. They could deal with the warts, but they could not deal with the eczema. Eight years in, eight years in to having treatment with this steroid cream, it just grew worse. I prayed about it. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. I, I looked at God's word. Nothing happened. Not because, my, not because God was ignoring me and not because God's word was not powerful. But eight years, I just went and I just had to carry this burden and it was just, it was, it was really, you know, it, it was something that I just had to live with. Well, one night, one night, it was a Tuesday night. I'll never forget it. Nobody was in the house. Faye, we, we, we didn't have children at the time. That's how long ago it was. So Faye was down here. It was a Tuesday night. She was, she was in the singers in, in the church, uh, practicing the singers, uh, practicing singing as they do. And I can remember we were living in Cumbran and I sat on the edge of my bed and the Holy Spirit came into that room and he set me free. And he set me free through the words of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Now, you may never have heard of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, but he was an incredible Welsh preacher that uh, pastored a church in Wales in Port Talbot and then went on to pastor Westminster Chapel in London and became just a prolific preacher, teacher, expounder of God's word in an incredible way. But Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this and suddenly it sparked something in me to understand that stress, worry, anxiety and fear are a conversation that you have with yourself. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Let me say that again. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Now you may wonder how that set me free. You may wonder how those words could have such a transformational effect on my life. I'll tell you why. Because suddenly I began to examine the content of the conversation that I was having with myself on a continual basis. I was the one person I suddenly realized 
suddenly realized it was one of those moments where it's like the light just comes on. In that Tuesday night, on my bedside, alone with the Holy Spirit, it was just that revelation encounter moment where I realized that I was the one person that spoke to me more than anybody else. And I wasn't examining the conversation that I was having with myself on a continual basis. And that conversation caused a rodent ulcer to break out on my face. When they removed that, it, that conversation, that unexamined conversation caused warts to break out on my hand. And it caused eczema to break out over my eyelids that there was no solution for. And suddenly I realized, I realized that the conversation that I had been having with myself on a continual basis was not a good one. So I had to get the word of God and deal with that conversation and begin to examine it and begin to interrupt it and begin to inspect it and begin to dissect it and begin to say, listen, be quiet. Stop saying that. Stop speaking like that. That is not true. That does not line up with God's word. Do you know what? No, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. When I realized that on that Tuesday night, many years ago, by the end of the week, my eyes were completely healed. Completely healed. The eczema went. I had been treating that eczema that was aggressive for eight years and it wasn't going. But as soon as I applied the word of God, you see, there was nothing wrong with the word of God, but I just simply wasn't taking hold of it, believing it by faith and applying it to my life. I was just allowing this conversation just to run riot in my life and it was breaking apart my health. So I know that fear, stress, strife, anxiety and worry are a conversation because I've had a lot of conversations like that in my life. And I still, I'm telling you, I'm just being honest with you today. I still have to watch this area of my life. I, I have to continually examine that conversation that I'm having with myself on a continual basis. I have to bring it and submit it to God's word. And if it doesn't marry with God's word, I've got to take that sword of the spirit. And I've got to deal with it. And lots of times I don't. And if I don't, I suffer the consequences. I become fearful. I become judgmental. I become worried. I become anxious. And my life begins to slip back into that place where God doesn't want it to be. I tell you, you take the word of God. We have to take the word of God and apply it to our lives to see transformation take place. That's how we're going to head forward into a great faith-filled future. How do we deal with this conversation? Oh, God has given us power to deal with this conversation that we have continually with ourselves. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2 says this, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Take the word of God. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. It will deal with any conversation that, you, that you've had that you struggle with within yourself. And it will bring adjustment, freedom, release, and life. The word of God is not passive. It's not a passive listener. It's an active voice in our lives if we will allow it to be. If we will not stifle it with unbelief. But if we will take hold of it by faith and speak it out. I tell you the wonderful blessing that can occur in our lives. Our lives can flourish into everything that God has deemed them to be. And also... James 1, 
Verse 21, we've been in James, looking in James. Listen to this. James says this, if we want to deal with this conversation that we have with ourselves on a continual basis that can be negative, that can fall outside of the parameters of God's promise for our lives, we've got to do what James tells us to do. In chapter 1 verse 21 he says this, therefore lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. When I receive that word with meekness into my spirit, when I receive that word with meekness into my heart, that implanted word of God on that Tuesday night, I'm telling you, salvation came to my soul. Salvation unfolded and unpacked itself in those areas that were so negative and hard and difficult. Receive the word with meekness. Submit to the word. Don't entertain those conversations any longer. Deal with them with God's word. When we receive the implanted word of God with meekness, our lives become enriched and fruitful. God's word begins to grow. That worry, that fear, that anxiety, that strife, that stress ceases to have its way. And you begin to harvest the blessings of God's word, the blessings of God's ways. I tell you, I've been on both sides of the fence. I've been in worry and I've been in faith. And I'm telling you now, I'd rather be in faith any day. I've been in fear, depression, anxiety, and I've been in joy, freedom, and where my life is flourishing and fruitful, I'd rather be joyful, fruitful, and flourishing and victorious any day. How do you live in that camp consistently? How do you walk that triumphant way where you reign in life and are victorious? I'll tell you how you deal with the conversation that you're having with yourself on a continual basis. And you judge it according to God's word. And you, it's like Jesus said, you take up your cross and you follow him. We've been crucified with Christ. And that means that all of that old stuff has been rendered powerlessly, powerless. Let's not make any attempt to revive that old voice, that old self. Don't even give it the time of day. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Well, we're going we're gonna to conclude in a moment, but let me finally just give you Colossians chapter 3, verse 14 to 17. Paul says this, but above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. Put on love. He says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, Paul says. Let the word of Christ dwell within you richly, he says. When Paul says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, that word rule is where we get our word umpire from or the word referee and an umpire makes a judgment. An umpire or, or a referee makes decisions. And if there's something that's unfair, if there's something that's out of line, the umpire and the referee brings order where there's disorder, where there's foul play. The umpire or the referee brings clarity where there is confusion. And Paul 
takes this word up and he says, now let the peace of God be the umpire in your heart, in your life. Let the peace of God be the referee. Let the peace of God be the active voice. If it picks up on a conversation that you're having with yourself that's out of line with God's word, that peace of God will come into operation and speak out the word of God and bring correction. If you feel in your spirit an uneasiness about the thoughts that you think sometimes or the way the enemy comes and plants something or somebody says something to you that sparks something off inside you, let the peace of God deal with that. Let the peace of God bring a word over that. And I tell you, go with the umpire's decision. Don't go with your own reason. Go with the revelation of the referee, the peace of God, and let it have the final say, the final rule in your life. Well, today I've just set the scene for where we're going to be going over the next few weeks and uh, in, this, in this whole area. But I hope, I hope it's helped you today. You know, you may have been having a conversation. You may be having a conversation with yourself like I had those years ago that was causing me to spiral downwards. I didn't even know that it was happening, but it was happening in a continual and in a continual way, day after day, month after month, year after year, causing me to be stressed out, causing me to be uh, fearful and anxious. But the moment that the word of God came into my situation and brought revelation and light, healing came. Right now, I'm going to pray. And you may be conscious of this conversation that you've been having with yourself. It's caused you to fear. It's caused you to worry and be concerned. Jesus loves you so much. Jesus loves me so much. That's why he came to me when I was when I was alone in my room those many years ago and has done that many times to help me along my way and to bring me to where I am today. I'm so thankful to Jesus and the presence of his Holy Spirit to comfort, correct, teach, you see, teach and instruct. And his word his word is a sword in your hand and in your mouth. And if you have been in a situation over recent weeks, recent months, where you've been fearful, it's probably because you've been having a conversation with yourself. You've been anxious, stressful. You've been having a conversation with yourself that you've allowed to go on and it's been unexamined. It's been unaddressed. It's been unchallenged. I'm telling you today, challenge it in Jesus' name. Challenge it. Speak to it. Correct it. Take the word of God and apply it and you will see transformation in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. I'm just going to pray. Father, I pray for your people today. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your anointing in our lives. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, as the teacher, you would bring correction, you would bring direction, you would break the bread, break the word in our hearts, that it would be that living, powerful, active sword that's sharper than any two-edged sword, that judges and, and corrects and discerns the thoughts and intents and motives of our heart. And it would keep us in your way. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. And as we practice this, as we are doers of your word, as we bring ourselves under the discipline, instruction and correction of your word, I thank you that that implanted word that James talks about, will bring great harvest and great blessing in our lives. Also today, just finally before we go, you may be listening and you may have never prayed a prayer to ask Jesus into your heart. And some of the things that, that I've said today 
have really resonated with you. Like me, you've been worried, you've been fearful, you've been stressed out. You, you might have a habit or, a, or an addiction and you think, oh man, do you know what? If I had my time over, I would never have started, you know, drinking or, or, or taking drugs or, 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 or just doing what I'm doing. I feel so dissatisfied with life. I feel so alone. I'm searching. I don't seem to go anywhere. I've tried this religion, that religion. Listen, I understand We've all been there. We've all been there. But this is the great news about Jesus. We are sinful, but he is the saviour. He's not religious. He saves us from our sin. We are dead in our sin, hopelessly dead in it. We can't do anything about it. In comes Jesus, saves us, gives us new life, forgives us, and and gives us the power to conquer those things that are conquering us. I want to pray a prayer with you. And this isn't these aren't magical words, but I'll tell you what's miraculous when you just simply, like a little child, connect with your father in heaven when you when you believe in your heart and you pray to God in heaven I'm telling you you get an immediate audience because he loves you and he gave his son Jesus to die on the cross for you to forgive you of your sins and Jesus rose again from the dead on the third day because of his love for you and me and I'm telling you he's going to come into your heart right now and something wonderful is going to happen. You're going to get peace for the first time. Don't worry about the addictions. Don't worry about that stuff. I'm telling you now, that stuff will drop off in time. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be worried about it. You may, it, it may hang around for a little while, right? But don't worry about it. Jesus has got it covered. He really has. And it'll drop off before, before long. Because I'm telling you, when Christ lives in you, those enemies that really try to destroy you won't hang around very long. I'm going to pray with you. We're going to pray together right now. Jesus is going to come into your heart. You're going to, you're going to have peace right now in your house. Let me tell you. You don't have to go to a religious, historical, iconic building that is the symbol of what we would think as being religious. No, Jesus went into people's homes. He's going to come into your home right now and he's going to do a miracle for you because he loves you so much. Pray this prayer with me. Say this, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I ask you, to forgive me of my sins. I love you and I believe that you love me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I surrender my life to you. I believe that you are alive. You rose from the dead on the third day. And I ask you now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, to come into my life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, if you prayed that prayer, I'm telling you, a miracle has begun. You might say, well, Dave, I'm not religious. Listen, none of us are religious. None of us are religious. We're a bunch of sinners that need saving. We need God's grace and his love and he lavishes it on us. So don't Listen, don't worry about being religious. None of us are religious. None of us meet the mark. I'm so glad that you are in the family of God today. And uh, one day when all of this lockdown is over, we may meet and I may get to shake your hand and I would love to meet you. But I just pray God's blessing on you, church. I pray God's blessing on you and just keep in the word of God. I want to encourage you. Why don't you just take a little verse, just one little verse and memorize it. Just memorize it. It may take you a month or two if your memory's going a bit. I'm, I'm trying to remember a verse and it's only about five lines. It's taken me about two months already and I'm still struggling with it. But listen, join with me in the struggle. Remember a little verse. 
Take a little verse from the Word of God and chew on it, enjoy it, revel in His love and listen, be blessed, be blessed in His salvation and His life for you. God bless you, church. And listen, can I just say this? Man, this message is going on this morning. Can I say this finally? Why don't you, through the week, break bread? Let's not forget to do that. Take communion. Get some some Ribena and a piece of bread and remember the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said this. He said, listen, this one thing I want you to remember. Do this in remembrance of me. He hasn't asked us to do a lot, but this one thing, this one thing, this, this communion of the Lord's Supper, he wants us to do. You can do it with your family. You can do it on your own. A little glass of Ribena and some bread and just say, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you that your body was broken for me. And thank you that one day the skies are going to split and you are going to come back for us and we are going to be forever with you. Do that, church. Listen, at least once a week, let's make it a habit. Let's make it a habit in our homes to break bread with one another. Well, God bless you. And um, I just, we'll continue to pray for you. Please continue to pray for us here at the church. Uh, We love you. And uh, we trust that we'll be back together soon. Hoping for that anyway. But uh, we'll continue to share the word of God in this way until that can happen. God bless you, church. Have a great week. See you soon. 